Coaches, brothers and sisters in strength, thanks so much for tuning in to this Outsource podcast. This is episode six with Dan McKim. I'm very excited to have Dan on here. Um, he's a person that I've gotten to know um, through, uh, I guess, the last couple of years or last year since you've been doing the strength shorts. Um, and I was blessed and lucky enough to be included in the Mailbag Monday. Got to ask Coach the most important question of all on New Year's resolutions a few months ago. Um, and he gave us some good answers. So I know that's something that everybody in the profession really uh, responds to and, and, and really enjoys. So um, number one, that's, that's how we see you. But I want to have this opportunity. I really wanted to um, create this opportunity so coaches can really get to know you um, and, and can have the opportunity to hear what a, you know, what a brilliant mind you are and, and good person. Um, so, Dan, I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast. Oh, man, it's a pleasure to be here, dude. I appreciate the kind words, man. Oh, of course. So if you don't mind, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and have it and uh, just kind of introduce us to you and or introduce yourself to us, I should say, um, and tell us what your current responsibilities are with Sorenex and where you've been and what's going on with the Highland Games and some of your success there, as well as your success as a, as a college participant in athletics and track and field. Um, you know, just give us the rundown of where you've been and, and really who's influenced you in the field as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, again, it's an honor to be here. I appreciate it, dude. And uh, I appreciate the kind words on the uh, Big Daddy Lieutenant Games. Uh, it's just uh, some fun stuff, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of that later. But uh, no, man, uh, I, I am the Midwest rep for Sornex Exercise Equipment, work North Kansas City area, so in Maryville, Missouri is where I live, kind of cover that Midwest. But uh, man, it really all started for me with Sornex was in the Scottish Highland Games, which I compete professionally in. Uh, I met Bert. Uh, we actually traveled to Scotland in 07 as part of a USA versus Scotland competition, the amateur ranks. And um, of course, we won and uh, showed those Scots how to get it done. So from there, Bert and I just became friends. And as the company grew, that's when he reached out to me um, in 2000. Man, 14 has been three years. But uh, I am a four-time world champion, a six-time U.S. champion in the Scottish Highland Games. I have uh, two world records. And that, that means nothing other than I like to throw, I love to train, and I love to learn about training. And so uh, for me, man, honestly, it all started, you know, man, I've got so many, so many stories, I guess, from when it started in high school to, uh, to college, having an injury in college that renewed my passion and love for lifting and training, um, to <laughs> training in college overboard, two and a half, three hour day workout sessions just because I thought that was great. Nobody talked to me about recovery. Nobody talked to me about uh, training and programming. Uh, I just love to lift. You know, I was the gym rat meathead. To today, you know, as a, as a full-time full -time employee to uh, my wife and I have five boys, trying to balance training, throwing, traveling for work, uh, making sure I'm a great dad and I'm present and I'm here and doing those things. I mean, that's, it's a balance that I, you know, I'm trying to make and trying to do, but, uh, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. I got to hand it to you because um, I was a thrower in college myself. Hammer throw in particular was my, my better event. Um, and thinking I, I would love to continue to train and, and continue to commit to it. And it is, it is quite the challenge if you were to, to spend the time and especially um, talking about with, with your wife and kids and the family that you have. It's, it's very impressive the way that you're able to um, commit time in multiple places and, and really commit yourself to uh, the person that we see today. So I appreciate it again. Um, I want to ask, this is, this is certainly geared, this podcast is certainly geared towards the high school coach and not, not necessarily just the high school coach, but also coaches that are committed to the developmental athletes. So 
I want to hear, and I know you've been at multiple conferences, and we'll discuss that later on as well, but um, just kind of what you see as the current state of high school strength and conditioning. What do you know about the level? Who do you know? Um, and what do you see kind of transpiring among, transpiring among us? Oh, man. What I see, uh, first of all, is the you know education piece. The sharing of information among the, across the board is, is huge, and it's been, it's been awesome to see because I think that that's I think that was that was sorely missed at the high school level. I think that some guys uh, were doing the best they could. Some guys, as we know, were just thrown into a weight room with no maybe not experience. So what you guys are doing in terms of certifications and education piece, I think, is is huge. And that's the trend that I see that is very successful for the high school. It's going to make it that much uh, much that much greater for those athletes. I was very fortunate. Uh, Chuck Litteris is his name. He was my high school strength and conditioning coach, and we were one of the few high schools actually had a guy and he was he was certified he loved it but most importantly he loved it he was an army ranger and so he was uh he was hard on us but he loved us and that was the cool thing is that coach coach lit man he loved us dearly and he would he wanted to see us succeed and and, and a little bit of my story i was the six foot five 255 pound kid as a senior that didn't play football and he would come to me and try to get me to play football all the time, which I appreciated and I was thankful for. But he loved me as an athlete and loved to see me train because I loved to train. And so I see that because he was, he was, he loved it too. He, and he breathed it, right? He, he lived and breathed strength and conditioning. So we saw him train. And I see that's another trend too in the strength and conditioning world is that in the ever present era of social media, kids are seeing what their coaches are doing, good and bad, right? So if we see and the kids see that with the, within those within those coaches a passion and a pursuit of excellence and, and improving their own self, man, it just rubs off on those on those kids so great. And I think that that's another trend that we're seeing because more more strength coaches are taking that. They're going to social media with their training, with their pursuits, with their goals and their visions, and, and it's rubbing off on the kids. And we're just seeing that as a great growth and aspect for the profession, I think, in general. For sure. And you hit on some huge points and one of which being the education piece and being, um, you know, getting the conferences and, and in, in previous years, it's been a challenge for high school coaches because of budget um, and because of cha- travel and having scenarios just like you explained on the front end, having a wife and five kids, potentially some coaches, it becomes tough to get to conferences and travel nationally. So we want to be able to provide opportunities like this um, so that we can bring it to your living room or bring it to your office or bring it to your desk. Um, so again, and then, and then talking social media, you know, we can have a whole conversation about that. I'm going to go into the zero hour segment and talk a little bit, um, about how or why might throwing an implement matter in an athletic development protocol, um, specifically for the young student athlete, you know, not necessarily just throwers, but for, for the general student population, athletics involved, um, how they might, how that might go, how we might go about or why we might go about implementing that. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I mean, you and I, were throwers, so we're going to be partial to it, of course. And I, I think, I think like med ball throws are a huge benefit to athletes in development. I think that as throwers, I think one mistake we see sometimes at all levels, and that's just not high school, is that we think we get so hungry on throwing med balls that we think our throwers need to throw a bunch of med balls. And in my opinion, in season, Probably the last thing your 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 thrower needs to do is to be throwing med balls. Is it needs to be throwing more because they're already overthrowing in in high school, especially. I know in college, man, we started 
we started early and went late and we threw a lot. And then in high school, I mean, we were throwing Monday through Friday, we're throwing about two hours a day and we're throwing both implements, right? Shot and disc in, in Missouri that we threw. And dude, my wrist and my elbow was so jacked up by the end of the year because we were just throwing, 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 throwing. And so I, I think that's just a little caveat that I always tell people, that, hey, in season, let's, let's minimize the, the med ball throws a little bit because you're already throwing anyways. That'd be like volleyball going out. Let's, let's take our volleyball girls and let's do a bunch of jumping or basketball and let's do a bunch of jumping in season. We're already doing that every day in practice. We're just going to tear you up. In basketball, in high school, I could dunk. I could dunk then. I can dunk now, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but I could, uh, I could jump way higher in the beginning of the season than I could in the late in the season because I was just I was exhausted. I was, dunked, I was jumped out. But anyways, I think med ball throws and I think throws in general for your general population and for your other athletes is huge because there is, and many times, there's such a learning curve in the Olympic lifts. I was fortunate enough to where our, uh, my strength coach in high school, Coach uh, Litteris, he, he taught us how to clean, right? So we were one of those fortunate ones. We learned how to clean. We squatted. We pressed. We did all the big movements. But one of the things that are that's great about throwing, right, is that it's it take, takes less technique. It takes takes less coaching time, and the the explosion and the extension you can get on throws in a short amount of time is, is amazing. Amazing aspect. Now I don't know if you, I don't want to go into it, but I have some throws that I like versus other ones. I think especially for. For athletes, do you want to know what someone added? Yeah, please. Okay. So I think part of the throws for general athlete development is I think it's got to be some kind of twisting throw. It's got to be a turning throw. For for us as throwers, hammers, right? This is why I'm standing on this is because I know I'm going to dem <laughs> demonstrate something, right? So for us as throwers, right, for hammer especially, whether that's Scottish Highland Games or Olympic hammer, whatever it is, it's always a pull from here, right, and it's a finish to here, right? And I think – and you have your hammer throwers, you have your throwers are some of the strongest midsection, I don't want to say core, but midsection people that you have because they're throwing and they're twisting the turning. Same way in the high school, whether that's a shot put, you're turning here, you're getting big and tall, or discus if you're turning and throwing here. And that's why they're, so why not do that? Why not take some of that avenue with your other athletes? And that can be done with simple with the med ball throws because I think that that twisting and turning motion and the, the ability to block on that left side is what I think is so great for all athletes. So if I'm throwing a med ball here and I'm blocking, not only am I blocking, I'm causing a stiff left side and right side as I do both sides. I'm causing that lift, I'm, that, I'm causing that eccentric movement, right? I'm stopping and I'm stopping this side and finishing with this side. And everything's working through here all the way to that extension. That's huge for every sport. I think of football, right? Football, you don't, you're not in this straight plane the whole time, right? You're twisting. You're trying to get around the lineman. You're getting tackled. You're you're breaking a tackle. You're trying to catch your catch a ball. Whatever you're going to do, that is a great transferable movement for all sports. And you do right and left. So I love the twisting ones. You can do so many different variations of that. And John, you put out a ton of stuff on med ball throws. So I don't know why I'm saying all this. Hopefully I'm not. <laughs> but you, what your stuff is great. So if I could tell that, guys, if you really want to know some good med ball stuff, go look at John's stuff and just he, he puts it all out there for you so I, I think for me the three big ones for me i think for all athletes is of course the rotational one throwing over your left and your right right doing those uh the other one is straight vertical because again transferable sport vertical jumps right whether that's that's a power movement that's just like your clean and clean your snatch movement and that's just your two-handed two-handed throws i like to throw backwards for distance i like to throw forward for distance I like to throw straight up for height, whatever you got to do. And I think for high school kids, 
I know what helped us in college, especially when we did a lot of these too, was I had a real good buddy of mine, uh, Clint Prang, and uh, we were throwers together. We came up, we recruited from various schools and came in and we became really good friends. But dude, whether it was in practice, we would take that to the med ball too in the off season when we throw med balls. We would, we would do different we competition, just make competition for your kids too. We try to hit the, we were inside, we try to hit the ceiling with the overhead stuff or distance like, okay, well, I'm gonna throw it over there. Okay, we'll see what you can do, you know? And I think that's sometimes too, is make it a competition, especially if you got some kids that, that are just really feed off of that, they're gonna throw farther. They're gonna throw harder. They're gonna create more explosion. They're gonna create more energy. They're gonna create more power and more speed from those different movements. So for me, twisting, and vertical and really i guess my third one is the different variations of vertical right so it's vertical forward vertical up and vertical vertical back well no i i appreciate those points and i i appreciate the words as well i think dan's just saying that because he knows i'll send out my presentation um that has his <laughs> pictures posted on there because you're a person that <laughs> you've influenced our throws and um whether it be the events that you participate in or or just watching you train and and some of the videos you post and um, being able to get uh, pull from different sources of information um, because just I, in my presentation just a few months ago um, I discussed how in season now with with and I'm the head coach we discussed off air I'm the head coach for track and field now um, and I work specifically particularly with the sprinters because that's going to have most of our out of season slash multi-sport athletes probably in it and I was discussing how we're, we're predominantly linear through track season um, and actually, I was then trimming out some of those rotational throws, and you brought up a point, and I think I'm am probably incorrect in that. Um, that's probably the time that we ought to be making sure, especially our out-of-season athletes, um, that we are doing some of that so we're taking care of what we need to do for out-of-season. And also, right. everything we do is is somewhat rotational in nature anyway. So, no, I, yeah. I appreciate that input, and, and there are plenty of things that we could, again, discuss for an hour. Um, so I appreciate that. I, I want to talk about in the, in our first period segment, um, talk character development a little bit. And I know this is something that you commit to um, greatly. Um, you've built Belief Thrower and True Victory, right? Did I say those right? I know I... Yeah, yeah I, you're good, man. Okay, just making sure I get the words and verbiage right. Um, can you tell us a little bit about it and, and just tell us where it came from, um, what it is, who's with you on it, how, and, and how it yeah. shaped you as a professional and how that, that's carried with you on a daily basis? <clears throat> sure. No, that's... I appreciate it, man. Uh, man, I created Bleed Thrower out of a concept really of just to be, to make my competition more about God and less about me. Because I know when I was in college and high school, I was very focused um, on myself and the things I wanted to accomplish. And I don't feel like I gave God enough glory and I, and I really focused enough on, on him, both uh, just in my throwing and because just, just, just how I was. And so uh, when I started throwing in the Highland Games, I realized there's an opportunity for me to, to share my faith and to share who I was and the things I believe in. That was just simply a red shirt that says believe on it. And on the back is Mark 115. Jesus said the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And so within that, uh, I encourage you to check it out. I'm not going to go through all the details of the website, but I've got information on there about me and the throwing and speaking and, and everything else. Um, a couple of crazy books that I've, that I've written. And then um, just true victory, which is honestly as great as it is to throw a big caber, man, as great as to stand up top of that podium, there's a much better prize and a much bigger prize in mind out there. And that's, that's our eternal victory with Jesus. And that's a relationship with him. So that's, 
that's where that can that comes from, man. And honestly, for me, where it affects my daily life is is that to realize to realize that it's not about me, right? There's got to be more people that I live for and I work for and I do things for. And that's first of all, that's my relationship with God. I do things for Him. First Corinthians ten thirty one. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And that's what I try to do, and that's who I try to be. But for me, I got a wife. I got five kids. I've got people I work with, uh, coaches uh, that I've become dear friends with, and, and I've got to have a better, bigger impact on on their lives. And I can't, I can't get too selfish and too focused on me. And that's, man, it's got to be hard. It's got to be hard for your coaches, I think, honestly, for you guys, right? You have, and this is what I always tell people when I speak, is when I talk to them, I always say, how many, how many people does it take to impact for you to be a leader? Because a lot of people today, they don't want to be a leader. They don't want to step up. They don't want to be the one in charge. They don't, they don't want to, guys don't always want to be the ones making the decisions. And so people, people are looking and hungry for leadership. If they don't find it from you, they're going to find it from someone else. They're going to find it from someplace else. I think at the high school level, you guys see that all the time. Absolutely. If they don't find good leadership, they're going to go someplace else. And guess what? Those options are not going to be the best most of the time. For sure. So, well, sorry, go ahead, Dan. No, no, I was just going to say, and that's what I think that, it's so important for us is that is we've got to have coaches too. I mean, realize that they're, and you know, as they're watching you and they're understanding you and they're, and they're mimicking you and they're looking at you. And so for me as a man and as a, as a leader, and, and as, I want to be that leader. How many people does it take for you to be a leader? It just, it just takes one. So we're all leaders. What kind of leadership qualities are we going to have? And we're going to put out there. For sure. All right. Quick intermission, quick costume change for Dan and I. Um, we had a, we had a lockdown drill yesterday, which is uh, something that you're probably not going to see or hear on another podcast. So that's kind of what happens when you put a high school strength coach in charge of something like this. Um, it, it, so I, again, I apologize to Dan, and I appreciate you being willing. This is now day two that we're working on this. Um, thank you very much for being willing to do it, um, and and thank you to everybody that's listening or watching the, so that they um, for understanding that that there's the breakup and why it was and. Um, understanding that obviously the the safety and and wellness of our students comes first and so we had to handle that um, Dan again I appreciate it so what we're gonna do now we'll just continue where we picked off or pick up where we left off um, with the lunch break segment we're gonna go off topic a little bit but it's not so far off topic because we're gonna talk Soranex a little bit or um, some of your promotion tools I guess or um, some things that you do for yourself as a professional out there on social media and things that bring a really good name and, and brand to yourself and Sorenex. First, I want to talk about conferences. Something that's very well known is that Sorenex is always going to bring it. Um, at pretty much any conference, you know they're going to be there and you know they're going to be setting up the booth. Um, I want to ask you, what's the wildest thing that you've ever seen at a conference or, or a clinic, wherever it might have been, at the booth? Oh, man. Well, probably the craziest stuff always happens at Summerstrong. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> and anyone's, you guys are, anybody's always welcome to come to that. I would love for you to come to that event. That is great where you're going to get a, a close view of a lot of people, um, that you're never going to get to meet, uh, in other times. It seems like, at least I don't ever get to, but probably the craziest thing, honestly, was happened at, uh, the NSCA national show. And that was, I think we had 13 guys squatting and five or six of them went for PRs just, it was just real organic, man. It just kind of came up. We had the music going. We're like, hey, you want to squat? Yeah, let's squat. Okay, cool. Let's, let's start squatting and see what happens. And I think uh, Monty Sparkman uh, killed us all. He went a 6.05 for a really fast single. So, uh, But it was awesome. It was just real organic. I mean, to have – because I, I think that's the thing with coaches and people who train by themselves like I do 
is I train in my garage, which is where we're at right now. And it's me by myself. And so when you get to a, get to a conference, you get around all the guys and you get around everybody and you just, the energy is high and you finally get to train with somebody who has the same passion and it's really cool. And so that was, that was probably the most, that was the most fun conference and clinic I've ever had. It was just so great to see everyone from high school, college, even pro guys just challenging each other and, and having a great time. Awesome. Great to hear. Um, talking about Mailbag Monday, um, Big Daddy and Lieutenant Gaines, I want to know how you came up with those ideas, um, why you came up with those ideas, um, and maybe for somebody that doesn't know necessarily what they are, you can, you can go ahead and plug it and, and let everyone know because I know it's, it's very, very beneficial to our profession because it brings, uh, it brings enjoyment, it brings humor, um, but also there's some, there's some points that you touch on that I know really affect coaches and it's things that we deal with on a daily basis. <laughs> oh man, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, Big Daddy was something that kind of morphed out of a character I created. Honestly, I, we were at the NFL Combine in uh, 2016, and I had bought my little Chiefs helmet for my kids. For some reason, I just brought it for fun. I was—I don't know why I brought it. And then we're sitting at, at breakfast, and Joe Gibbs is sitting at the table, <laughs> catty corner from us. And I was like, guys, I looked over to Bert and Aaron, and I was like, guys, I'm going to put my helmet on and start eating the pastry through the face mask and see if Joe Gibbs does anything. And they're like, you you won't do it. I was like, what the heck? Who cares? Let's just try it. So I put it on, and I started messing around. And Joe Gibbs walks by, and he goes, hey, son. And I was like, hey, coach. <laughs> and he says, he says, I think you got a real shot this weekend in the combine. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks, coach. He's like, I think you already have some head trauma, though. That's something you want to adjust, or address. <laughs> and then he turns around and walks out. And so from there it became I was a big daddy, and then we started doing the combine stuff, and so uh, just for fun, and it kind of more from there. Big Daddy's a character that loves Little Debbie's snacks. Uh, every Monday he does a mailbag Monday, and he takes questions. So if any guys have questions, be sure and uh, you can just text those to me, and I'll or email those to me, and I'll bring those to Big Daddy. He doesn't have either one of those uh, avenues. Um, and just from there, just kind of a fun character. And then Lieutenant Gaines is something part of my job and profession is a lot of driving so I have a lot of time on the road where I'm just thinking and I was driving and I thought man it would be really cool to have Lieutenant Gaines is a essentially a weight room cop part of the cops and strength squad that busts people for doing the, the things that we all see in the weight room every day from not putting your weights away to not cleaning up after yourself to to eye contact during hip thrusts or whatever it may be and so that character is just a fun way to bring light. And that's kind of why I did it, man. Honestly, is some of these characters and other little skits I do, my Instagram account is strength shorts. It's just short little clips and skits of just fun stuff around strength. Honestly, man, as I, th I think you're right. Like our profession has it. We have, we're, we're doing great in education and we're doing great in encouragement and we're doing great in uh, advancement. But I just felt like let's just have a little fun because our, our industry, I mean, think about it. If we really think about it, you, you, you all are strength coaches and me as as a sales guy, I hate to call myself that because I don't want to be a sales guy like that. But we get to wear we get to wear athletic clothes and hang around in the weight room all day and do cool, fun stuff. Like this is awesome. This is could you not ask for a better job, a better profession? This is so cool. I pinch myself. Believe me, I've come from I come from corporate America and other jobs, and I am so glad I get to hang out with you guys to do this kind of stuff. And so I, I created these characters just out of fun. Let's have some fun. Let's 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 enjoy our awesome jobs in an awesome industry. 
Yeah, and that's uh, you bring up great points because, like I said, it's fun and it's funny. Um, but at the same time, what, how I always speak about these podcasts or speak about social media, the opportunity to connect. Um, I'm sure at some point or another you and I would connect, but if it wasn't for Mailbag Monday and you reaching out and asking if I had a question and me being able to get on there, and I told you that's still one of the, the greatest highlights of my career, uh, <laughs> it on Mailbag Monday, um, you know, who knows? Who knows when it would have been and, and who knows if it would have been. So I appreciate it, and, and really I do think it's tremendous value with what you've provided to our profession. Um, going along those lines, professional development and advice, um, so if you do want to touch on some advice, but I want to, I want to ask you in particular how and when um, you got involved with Sornex. Yeah, I got involved with Sornex as a full-time employee in 2014, March. So it's been three years now. Um, and kind of like I said earlier, I mean, Bert and I go back to, man, 06. We started throwing together in the Scottish Highland Games. We came up as amateurs and then turned pros the same year and just kind of stayed friends. And that's, uh, I mean, that was back when, it was just Bert and his dad and kind of in a part-time guy, right? And they had the production was off-site facility, uh, pre- facility production was off-site and just now to see how it's grown. And that's how Bert approached me in 2014. He's like, dude, I need somebody to service my Midwest guys, uh, my Midwest clients and to grow it. Would you do that? I was like, start tomorrow. Let's do this. So it's been a blast, man. And I think that's the big thing is, like I said earlier, it's just, it's just realize what a great profession this is, what a great industry this is, and how many awesome people there are in it. And the education that's shared, the encouragement that's shared, and, and the fellow brother and sisterhood of the iron, I think is so cool. And what makes this industry so, so much different than other things I've done and uh, the other things that you could be doing. That's excellent. And could you let us in on maybe the vision of the future for Sorenex? Oh, man. I think... Uh, Try to keep doing what we're doing, and that's just honestly is innovate where coaches tell us. Listening to you all, what do you, what things do you see in the industry coming up that we should be aware of, or or how do you want to train? How how could you better fit? How can we make it safer? How can we make it stronger? How can we make it more effective for you as coaches? And that's what the whole vision of Bert and Richard starting at thirty man. Bert Richard started thirty six years ago was just providing a different a better product than what was out there before and not letting, not letting the equipment limit the coaches programming. So creating, creating the, the attachments, creating the, the vision and the innovation. So I think that's what's going to be is continue to innovate. And honestly, we can only do that if we get feedback from, from your coaches and the things you want to see and things you want us to do. Cause I'm always told, uh, I'll bring it to bird or, uh, our production manager, Nick or somebody, uh, and I'll say, Hey, can we build this? And they pretty much, if it's not a bomb, we'll build it. And I'm like, uh, you don't want to tell me that because I can think of a lot of cool things. I, I talk to a lot of cool coaches. So that's kind of what our, our dream vision is, is let's, let's continue to change the game. Very cool. Um, let's get, I know this was, this was quick. Now the second day, um, when we put it all together, it's going to be great. I want to close this out um, and get you going on with your day um, with some quick hitters. This is our after school rush. This is just when we run through a few questions, kind of of your early on experiences in the weight room. Um, what or when, or what and when was your first weight room experience? Ooh, uh, man, when I was real little, my dad used to, my dad got into powerlifting and he took, uh, took my brothers and I have two brothers and he would take us to the college gym and he would yell and they would, his buddy would slap each other and they would just get after it. And I used to, and in church, my dad, my dad's pastor, I used to take the, <laughs> I know this was supposed to be quick, so I'll be quick. 
uh, I used to take the offering envelopes and I would peel them open and I would draw pictures while my dad was preaching. I would draw pictures of my dad lifting weights because my dad invested in me, the, the culture, you know, that physical culture. And, and I could never remember, is it weightlifting or lift weighting? So, so half of my pictures would be lift weighting and half of them would be weightlifting. They're always having my dad lift enormous amounts of weight. That's incredible. And was it your dad who taught you how to lift early on? Yeah, yeah, he did. He, he taught me. He was a little more intense than I was. He, we'd be in middle school and he'd come and like, you'd get ready to bench like 145. And dad's like, you know, slapping you on the back. Come on, let's go. Get after it. Come on. And I'm like, dad, my friends are watching me. What are you doing? You know, and I just get all embarrassed. But then as I look back, I'm like, that is, that's so cool. My dad invested in, in me that, that love for the iron and, and it just grew from, <laughs> grew from when I was a little kid. That's awesome. What high school coach influenced you the most and why? Oh, that would be Chuck Litters. Oh, man, he was my strength strength coach. And, uh, man, he just continued that love for the iron and grew it a lot. I did my first pull-up. I'm a big dude, right? I remember I still remember doing my first pull-up. I was a senior in high school. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yet alone was I, I was benching big, but I finally did my first pull-up. You know, it was just, just the funny stuff, man. That's great. Is Coach Litter is still around and in the profession? He is. He's uh, he went to the college sector for a while. Now he's back to the college. He, he or back in high school. He coaches. He's head football coach, but he'll never give up being strength coach. He was uh, he was one of the first NSCA guys in in the state. And man, we did five five three three. We did man, we did hand cleans. We did pull pull cleans. We did it all, man. We were we were never the uh, anyways. Quick hitters. I'll move on. Sorry. No, no, you're good. Please. <laughs> you're getting me going, man. No, no, no. Um, what's your greatest memory from high school sports? Whew. Greatest memory is probably, probably the worst, was the worst memory, I guess you could say. And that was, it was a defining, it was a defining moment for me. And that's at state. I was a number one ranked discus thrower in the state. And I went to the state meet and my very first warm up, my discus blew up. And I crumbled physically, mentally, just mentally. I just couldn't handle it. And I had to watch finals on this huge hill at Lincoln University in, in Missouri. I had to sit on, I had to sit up there and, uh, my, and I, and I just cried, you know, this is all I wanted to do. I wanted to throw, I was going to college to throw. I was going to be, I was planning on being a state champ. I was seated to be such. And I just cried on the hill. And my, and my other coach that influenced me a lot was also our head track coach and our counselor. But he was more importantly, he was a he was a deacon out of my church, and I saw him all the time, and he lived it, man. He was an awesome man, Mike Thompson. He's still a great man, and he sat next to me as a as a high school coach. He sat next to me on that hill and just cried with me. He didn't say anything. He rubbed me on the back. He said, "Dude, I'm Danny. I'm so sorry." And I cried. And he cried. And that's honestly, it sounds horrible, but that was a defining moment for me as a thrower. It defined and changed things how I approached life and throwing in college. And it's impacted me even to this day of trying to be mentally tough and trying to be, have a good mental approach to all things I do, and whether that's throwing or whatever it is. But that was, that was the most defining moment of my high school career. Was that event or that meet one of those turning points that you discussed in Believe Thrower and getting that started later on? Yeah. Yeah, that was that's part of it. You know, I was realizing I had sunk so much of my – and I think we do this, and honestly – not to get on a tangent here, John, but I mean, I think we all do that. We all find times where we're, we create our self-worth and our identity in something we do rather than who we are. Yeah. Hey, Dad, would you mind repeating that? Yep. 
sorry, I lost you from uh, from basically where you started answering. I'm sorry. No, and I, I think that's a good good question, John, is because honestly, I think we all fall short of this, and I do all the time. Is we find our self worth sometimes in the things we do and not who we are. Like I am a thrower, right? And that's something I'm transitioning with, right? As I come to the twilight of my throwing career, I've been a pro Highland Games thrower since 07, right? Um, and I've, that's who people know me as. But I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm, I'm an employee. I'm Big Daddy, I'm Lieutenant Gaines, you know, I'm all these things. So what I think we have to realize is that what we do doesn't define our worth. It's, it's just something to who we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I appreciate that input because I think it's something that it's something that I certainly battle on a daily basis. And I know I've said it before, just um, I think that's one of our biggest battles, not just for ourselves as coaches, but our student athletes as individuals. And, you know, sometimes watching our language and verbiage of trying ourselves sometimes to define a certain student athlete and define a certain young person by their ability or by what they do and make that who they are, or try to, you know, mold them in that direction. Um, and we really should be doing the opposite. It's just it's just something that we're good at. It's something hopefully that we enjoy that's a part of our life. It's not who we should become. Um, so I appreciate that. And that's a, you're certainly preaching the choir on that one. And I think that's something that all coaches and, and all students really and, and young people need to hear regardless of if it's athletics, if it's arts, if it's, um, you know, if it's scientific study, that, that, that form of whatever we're good at and whatever we enjoy, that's not who we are. So I appreciate that. So hopefully I didn't just, hopefully that, that question didn't steal your thunder. I'd like to give you the last word. Um, and it can be anywhere. And this is, this is not, I, I know I suggested 30 seconds. That's just the, probably the short, the lower end of it. I'd like you to take as much time, especially since, since we've got some, um, and I know some, I know everybody will really, really want to hear this from you. So it could be anything from words of advice, call to action, um, you know, just a thought on the profession or profession related subject or, or really off topic, um, or it could be a thank you or shout out. It's, it's all on you. And, and I just like you to have this last word. <clears throat> awesome, man. I know I appreciate, and you know, I don't want to, I don't want to beat it, beat a dead horse, but I, I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention just the impact you as high school coaches have. Like I mentioned too, I mentioned Coach Thompson and Coach Litters had a huge impact on my life, and the things that they did for me have stayed to this day. So I just I just want to encourage you guys. Challenges, like I said earlier uh, yesterday, I guess, is leadership. How many people does it take for you to be a leader? And that's just one. You all have more than one kid in your class every day, and the impact you have is so huge. And as my boys get older, I'm realizing that your impact is huge and is, and is long lasting. And I just encourage you to keep, keep showing love, keep doing your thing and realize, man, what an awesome profession we are in. What an awesome industry we are in. And the impact you all have is incredible. Greater than any impact at the college, I, I believe, than the college or the pro level. So if you think that you're not, you're not somebody's equal because you're a high school, then you're wrong. You're vastly grossly more important and have a greater impact on our, on our future and society than, than anyone else. That means a lot. And, and I take that, that personally, I, that means a lot. And, and Dan McKim, I can't thank you enough for being on this outsourced, po outsourced podcast. Um, hopefully we'll do it again and hopefully we'll catch up real soon. I know conferences are coming up. I'm going to see what I can do yeah. for summer strong and um, we'll certainly, I'm sure we'll see you at some point in the summer. I can't, again, can't thank you enough. I know I'm thanking you on behalf of everybody that's listening. 
Um, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your patience, patience, and making this a, a two-day matter. Um, thank, thank, thankfully, Lieutenant Dan, Lieutenant Gaines came in and saved the day yesterday when we had that lockdown drill. <laughs> yeah, that might go. be something we need one day. You yeah, know? That's an episode right there, man. <laughs> something we need. Hey, you, you come and stop the strength coach that's in his office doing a podcast while the lockdown's going, and supposed <laughs> to be saving the day, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, Dan, again, again, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, what I'm going to do, I'll go ahead and pause this 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 uh, broadcast and this recording, um, and we'll just catch up a little bit off air. Is that cool? That's cool, man. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. See you, bud.